Hello and welcome to the Formula Scout podcast. It's been a while since we've done one of these sort of um, discussion-y kind of podcasts between uh, a handful of us, but we've got good reason to do so um, following the launch of the, 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 well, the revamp of the, the British Formula 4 Championship last weekend over in Bista, I believe. So joining me tonight... Um, Craig, I'm Craig Wallard as always. Joining me this week is Bethany Waring, who was on the ground for us, and Ida Wood, who makes a, a long-awaited return to the podcast after uh, several month uh, hiatus, um, being stuck it behind the news desk and 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 so forth. But um, I will kick off with Bethany first because you were on the ground um, covering it for us uh, li- live at the at the event, which. Um, it, uh, I believe is one of your first events that you've um, been to do uh, regarding British F4 uh, since the, the the pandemic and so forth. So just generally, how was it to sort of be back in the, in the thick of things? Yeah, the last time I was on the ground for British F4, it was the media day ahead of the 2020 season before everything got cancelled. So it was it was great to be back on the ground. It was very cold. We were at the Bista Heritage, where Motorsport UK is based. So when we were inside the buildings, it was nice and warm, but we would go out into hangars, which was very cool, but also very cool. So, um, yeah, it was great. And it was great to actually see the F4 car in in real life I, I was saying I'm probably the worst person on the team to actually like say what a car looks like because they all look the same to me but even I was able to say like that looks like a proper race car and it it when you it when you looked at compares it to this year's British Formula 4 car it kind of just looks like it hit puberty and now it's a grown-up car so it, it it looks it looks great and it was just it was fantastic to see so many people there to kind of celebrate the new era of British Formula 4. Yeah certainly and I, I think that's a, that's a that's a solid way to to put it um you, you speak about not um, knowing too much about uh, the technical aspects of cars and so forth, but um, I think this is where we we page Ida in to to give a little bit of um, more detail as to what Generation Two of Formula Four is going to to look like. We've already got a bit of a, a glimpse of it now with with seeing a handful of tests and uh, the launch of um, of this championship in particular. So we've got a a new era so how is generation two of formula four going to differ differ from generation one uh the, the main thing is obviously it's got a halo so we're going to see the the shape of the car look quite different from afar that also means it's going to be harder to see the helmets and you know at the f4 level it's hard to tell who the drivers are anyway so that's going to be more difficult the the wheel sizes i think are staying the same so uh the price of the tyres shouldn't change, that should be fine. I think the rear wing is going to be the same, roughly, as well. But it's all at the front end of the car. They've got more complex aerodynamics, which looks a little bit more like a Formula Regional car. Um, The car is just bigger because they've had to accommodate this larger safety cell with the Halo. And they've been designed very specifically to accommodate hybrid power plants in the future. We haven't got a hybrid engine yet, but they kind of said, 
if you put it into the blueprints that it could fit in a hybrid in, in a couple of years time when we've designed an engine for it, that means it won't cost any more for teams to essentially chuck it in the car. So it's just going to look bigger. And because it's bigger, they've actually, I think they're going to increase the power potentially so it doesn't get slower because it would be quite embarrassing if that was the case. Yeah, certainly. So theoretically, it should make the the jump from, from Formula 4 to Formula Regional or the jump from Formula 4 to um, Formula 3 or the jump from Formula 4 to Euro Formula, for example, that little bit easier because we have seen in the past that drivers generally have struggled um, to make that transition from, from Formula 4 level up and up to FIA 3 in particular, unless your name is Teo Porcher. Um, so do we think that, that this is going to, to really make it a bit more um well just generally easier to to make that step forward um and will it perhaps make um that that kind of halfway step a little bit more uh less attractive perhaps for 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 some drivers and if it doesn't necessarily seem to to suit them um i think it might the main thing is we saw the Motorsport Games F4 Cup in 2019. God, it was a long time ago now. And that was basically almost like a prototype of a heavy Formula 4 car, which did actually have a hybrid, which was quite useful at the time. And we actually saw the racing in that car was pretty good. Like, there was a lot of overtaking. Um, drivers, I think the feedback from the drivers was generally that, you know, it wasn't too different to learn from the F4 car that they'd previously been driving. And actually the ones who did drive that, who then went on to do like Formula Regional and Euro Formula the year after, adapted better than the drivers who didn't do that. And I think Ido Cohen was one of those. Um, and there was another one as well who did Formula Regional and did very well. And I think just from those examples alone, just having the experience of that slightly heavier F4 car adapted them a lot better for the Formula Regional car than the drivers who um, like say Maloney, who went, well, he went to Euro Formula, but he went from winning British F4 and a few drivers who did Italian F4 and then went to Formula Regional. They didn't do particularly well because they didn't have that either going off into like a Formula Renault 2.0 or in this case, having that prototype hybrid F4 car. So I think with these new F4 cars, it's going to really help the drivers who go into those series and then go on to Freck over the drivers who stay in, say... Uh, I think Japanese F4 is keeping the first generation car next year and obviously Danish F4 is. So if you're doing those kinds of series, I think we're going to see the adaptation between those drivers going to be a bit more difficult than the drivers who do take on those Gen 2 cars uh, in 2022. Yeah, certainly. And we've we've got um, new championships sprouting up as well that will be using uh, previous generation Formula 4 cars. We've already discussed it, discussed this a little bit um, over on our uh, GB3 season review podcast, so do check that out. Shameless plug. Um, but I guess we should sort of go back to, to the topic at hand as such um, and return to Bethany and talk a little bit more about what what went on over in Bista, um, which uh, definitely doesn't sound like the, the name of a, a strange um, Christmas play or something like that. But um, so we we had the launch of, of the new car. Um, We've, we also had quite a few uh, big people involved in, in junior single-seaters um, present as well. So 
give us a little bit of insight as to as to what you what you learned being on 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 the ground and um just just who was who was floating about um at, at this event yeah um like like i said when when we got there um uh damien meaden who does the media uh, he said somebody was here and i was like why is that person here and he goes because everyone's here and honestly it kind of was like everyone's here that we had the um we had people from the FIA, obviously Motorsport UK were there because they're kind of, they're, they're running, that I don't know if running is the right word, but they're, they're have, they have such, they're promoting it this year um, because really the whole, um, so much is changing this year compared to before because we've lost Ford and it's not just the, the car that's changing. There's lots of things that are going on who people who are running it people who are promoting it are changing so it really was kind of kind of like a relaunch of a new championship but they are they are bringing in a lot of there's a lot of continuation but it's kind of like a half a new championship so we we had i i want to i'm trying to get the email to load so i don't say people's name wrongs but bob fernley yeah from from the fia just waiting for craig's nod there um from the fia was there to kind of in both his role from the fia and his motorsport uk background as well we had um hugh chambers for, from the motorsport uk and lots of people who do important roles in motorsport uk like driver money like driver coaching and safety point of views and we had people from rocket which we didn't we weren't told about beforehand we got there um lots of rocket branding and we're like oh they're probably doing something so that was probably the biggest announcement from the weekend was rockets um both sponsorship of the of the championship but also the race stars scheme that they're doing this year i don't know if you want me to go into that more okay race stars is they they've they want to bring in drivers who have potentially never raced anything before never done karting or anything if you have done karting you're not excluded from this but they want to really open this out to everyone it's going to be a esports championship style thing like five or so rounds and then 20 boys and 20 girls will go through to the to the final which is being held at bolton university and from that two two young drivers two 15 year olds one boy and one girl will will go through and go through a six month long training regime with motorsport uk to um prepare them for a drive in 2023 from in a rocket branded team which will be kind of run by university graduates who are already part of a scheme 
that um, Bob Fernley and I believe Rocket have been kind of putting together this past couple years to get more young people involved in motorsport behind the scenes. So it's all very much let's promote people who wouldn't otherwise have a chance to go into motorsport, both driving and engineering. So it's all very cool and it's good to see British F4 getting uh, getting a proper scholarship. Yeah, yeah, certainly, and uh, and not not just on the driver's side, but in the in the engineering side as well, and the mechanics side, um, getting getting universities involved, I think, is is really good. Um, and of course, esports isn't um, a stranger to to British Formula Four. Um, we we sometimes like to use British F four as a practice during the off season for for race reporting. So um it's certainly not 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 new but it's just taking it to to that next step and really giving giving these um these young people incentives to to really try their their hand at it um at the end of the day it's not massively expensive to 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 get a uh, you know a fairly competent sim rig um i mean i've got one myself at um a very respectable um price but um it's it's definitely good i think to to have that 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 sort of um you know those opportunities to 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 be able to 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 go and race in in these championships we know um how how expensive it is to to get running in in various championships we're seeing a, a fair few scholarship programs come up uh in in recent years um although they're only offering seats to, to just a small number of drivers so um it, it's nice to have it obviously doesn't tackle the, the the wider issues of of motor racing um especially motor racing and junior single seaters being far too expensive um but it's certainly good to to have have something like that um to have um more esports representation uh, as well more more opportunities to, to young women uh, coming through the ranks as well um, and uh, more options just generally uh, across the board. Um, so Ida, I'm intrigued to get your, your views on this because um, it, it's certainly, uh, certainly different um, compared to how many drivers do come up in, into the Formula 4 ranks. Generally, they either come through Janetta Juniors or straight through karting or in, in some cases even, um, you know, Fiestas or, or something like that. So what, what do you make of um, this as a potential route for, for, for young drivers coming up? Um, so I guess you open that question broadly there with mention like Fiestas, et cetera. Um, and what else is that? There's Janetta's and um, come on, let's think of more. Formula Ford 1600. Um, oh, what was the one? Didn't George Russell did Citroen 2CV as well? Because um, he had to get the licenses. So <laughs> essentially, any car you can get the license to race at 14 probably means the power to weight ratio is really, really low. Um, but those cars tend to give you often very skinny tyres as well, which compared to Formula 4, I think this is where, maybe going a bit off stage from your question, but it's implementing longer term. You learn a lot from driving on skinny tyres and low power to rate ratio because you need to understand mechanical grip. 
and what the new F4 car is doing. And even with this rocket scheme, which sounds good, but they're essentially teaching drivers from as young as possible. They want to attract drivers as young as possible and go drive a car that is dependent on aero grip. You know, know how the front end aero works, know how a sticky, slick tire is going to work. And when you have those factors, you then hop across into like sports cars later on or even like on a, in a road car because a road car is not like this at all. And you realize you don't have those proper skills. You're driving purely, purely on aero. And that is not good, I think. However, and this is quite big, however, um, the, the original generation F4 car is, I wouldn't say hated by engineers, but nobody really likes it. It's unreliable. It's very simple, but things go wrong quite frequently on it. And I think if this new car does make improvements, then as an engineering like education tool, it's going to be very, very valuable. So I think yes to Rocket for bringing in this engineering scheme. No to Rocket for you know trying to bring drivers to F4 as young as possible and, and that kind of stuff. But that's not something I tend to agree with. Mm-hmm. No, that's, uh, that's fair enough. It's always good to get um, differing opinions it would be a very boring podcast if we always agreed with each other um, uh, and, and and so forth but I, I guess a bit more of a, a wider question um, about the, the the well-being of, of of the championship as a whole of course there is now a, um, a, a sort of rival championship in, in GB4 existing um, utilizing the older generation uh, Formula 4 cars we we know that this is going to what we're going to have in, in British F4 now is going to be very similar to, to what we have in the likes of Italy and Germany. So um, it's kind of half following up on, on that, but not really um, either. But uh, where, where do you see the, the, the state of the, the championship now? Um, we, we, we do have a big, obviously big title sponsor involved, um, which is always important. Um, but with, with so many similarities and uh, to, to other high-profile Formula Four championships, and the you know having other championships uh, sprout up, and we've already got you know championships such as um, National Formula Four sixteen hundred as well, which are always strong avenues for, for young drivers coming through the ranks. Um, and there are a few other um, smaller club championships. I think of F one thousand or Formula Jedi, as it was known, for example, things like that. So, where where is British F four at right now? Do you think? I think, oh, that's a tricky one. I, when you said like the new title sponsor, and obviously Rocket, technically Ford was the title sponsor of British F four because it was like British F four powered by EcoBoost. But then, like, that was a description of what it was, if you make sense, rather than, like, a sponsor. But Ford did put a lot of money into running that championship as well as, you know, actually running it in some capacity. Um, so I think on that kind of side, organisationally and financially, it, I hope it's a pretty similar picture. This Rocket deal, I think, is fairly late because even um, end of October, I was talking to teams and they, they didn't know what was happening. They didn't, really didn't know what was going to occur for 2022 hadn't been communicated properly who was taking over from Ford and Racing Line alongside um, British, uh, alongside Motorsport UK. So so that was an unknown, but obviously Bethany talks to British F4 teams more, so I, I think she'll probably uh, know more on this. 
So it's just something that I actually remembered happened. They, we asked about finances and Motorsport UK have said that they've not just plugged to the hole that Ford have left, they've gone beyond it. And because they're not, they're not just focusing on, well, they're focusing on the championship. They're kind of focusing on British single seaters. They, they want to make Britain a kind of hub for single junior single seaters again like it used to be back when British F3 was getting future Formula One drivers for example so their the funding for 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 the foreseeable future uh, as far as Motorsport UK is concerned is fine and they're bringing in more people so I don't think as long as as long as Motorsport UK stays afloat and stays invested in this, I don't think the finances are a huge a huge concern. I think more for me, Ford leaving was kind of more of a for, for me personally was kind of more of a downside in getting rid of that another little bit of history. But um, we still have Formula Ford, so it's not a a, a huge a huge loss. Yeah, certainly. Um, and yeah, uh, I do agree. Sort of having a, a junior single seat of power by Ford on the on the Tocker package, um, you know, it's a thing for, for, for many, many years and uh, certainly is a is, is a loss. But um, I, I guess, sort of, you know, still having its position on, on the Tocker package is very strong that, you know, just that whole environment as a whole seems really, really um, strong at the moment um uh, as strong as ever really especially when when you consider the the number of people going through the gates at, um all of the various rounds um for for btcc this year so I'd, i i think that that's in a in a really strong um sort of position right now um in a way but i i do get the 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 points that you've both made um as well but it does seem like that that british f4 um, it, it is certainly in a in a strong strong, strong position as it is at the moment, um, irrespective of uh, of what other championships um, seem to be doing. It does seem like that they'll be all be able to um, coexist um, without you know tripping over each other too much. Hopefully, I guess we'll see what happens when when all the various calendars come out um, later on in the year and early into next year. So. Really, I, I, I guess um, I haven't really planned planned <laughs> planned this podcast very well, um, as you can probably imagine. But I, I guess Bethany, just what what were your what were your other you know any other takeaways that you, you've had from 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 that evening as a whole? Um, who else did you get a chance to to, to speak to, um, if possible, and? Um, uh, you know, in particular with with Bob Fernley, the, the president of the FIA Single Seat Commission, um, it's quite an important important person to be there. And first, it's like really big, sort of proper, massive public appearance that he's he's made. Um, well, I say public, it, it's a close event to the media, but um, big event that he he's perhaps been at since he took over the the the, the you know the that position um, from Stefano Domenicali. 
Um, so just generally, what, what what was the sort of vibe that you got from from the whole evening and and, and from from Bob Fernley in particular? Well, Bob Fernley was very much focused on this um, on this rocket scheme, um, and and just making like kind of emphasizing that those links with Bolton University. Um, honestly, just just trying to fight my brains through that conversation. It was mostly about that and also about the how Motorsport UK will now be supporting not just the British drivers in British Formula 4, but drivers from anywhere in the world who are in British Formula 4, given that coaching and driver development from the media side of things as well as from the um from the racing kind side of things which is great because British Formula 4 is such a such a multinational series so it will be good it it kind of didn't hit me that 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 that, that those drivers wouldn't be getting that same support but I guess because it was from a kind of a, it's from a kind of national point of view they made sense but it it just goes to show how good some of the um some, some of the non-british drivers are in that you didn't notice that they didn't have that same that same support so that was kind of where his focus was in and on promoting that side of things whereas talking with um with people from Motorsport UK it was very much emphasizing how they're trying to make Britain a home of motorsport again and how because even drivers don't go from British Formula 4 to Freck they they just don't do that these these days they even Italian Formula 4 seems to be kind of like, like seen as a step up so it's their their focus was really on making British F4 not just on par with Italian F4, but kind of going above because of their emphasis was on engine engine um, balances. Uh, they their their quoted figure was that their engines were within 0.5 percent of one another, whereas in Italy it's more like 1.5 percent. So they they're really kind of hammering in that our engines are their their engines are better, and that's why teams like this series more because you don't have to be with one team to win the championship. But also they wanted to kind of reiterate that we have all these fantastic circuits. We have Brands Hatch in in September is a better place to train than Mugello because Mugello's more grippy and you don't get that same level of challenge. That that was kind of their thinking. So kind of taking what's good from Italy and ADAC and Spain, but then also trying to emphasise their unique selling points so that this isn't just another European F4 championship it's something better than better than the others whether you buy into that or not is another another thing but kind of you do have to think they're they're trying to highlight what 
what the likes of you you know the the f1 drivers that came to britain what they what they came to britain for before they went to formula one they're trying to highlight that we still have that it's still here and all the things you like from italy they're here too now so you kind of really really see they're they're really pushing that and it's it says a lot that they've put so much investment in British Formula 4 in terms of that emphasis. I do think Britain has been kind of falling behind the other other Formula 4 championships. So it's I, I do hope that it gets back on par with, with Italian F4 in terms of where its graduates go directly next and where its graduates end up because... You have three stars that ended up in IndyCar or Formula One and you've got 20 drivers who have kind of ended up petering out. So hopefully all together we'll be attracting the future future F1 stars again and the drivers who are in British Formula 4 will be getting to F1, IndyCar, FE, etc. That, that was where their focus is and honestly we all just want to see good good drivers and good championships doing good things so hopefully this works for everyone yeah certainly and uh, you do bring up a very good point about the sort of the unique um quality of circuits that the that the uk have got i mean you don't see a fruxton over in italy or france or anywhere like that so um or a brand satch for, for for that matter so i i guess um i'll give the probably the we'll probably uh round it out but um the, the last sort of question to, to ida um so with with all that in mind do you think that british f4 is going to be the the f4 to be um at next year or do you think that it's um sort of not quite so clear cut as that um does it depend on 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 certain factors such as where where you're based and um and, and what teams are offering what where and um budget and and so forth or is it uh looking a bit more rosy for 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 the british championship do you think i think it's i think it's looking more rosy for the british teams that compete in the championship so particularly the new ones that come in so i think it's high tech and virtuosi have joined and that's mainly because they've already got agreements in place to do programs in the UAE, in Italy, and all these other things. So British Championship, not saying it's an afterthought, but it it's now more um, how to say. It? Well, basically, we've seen in the last few years, you do Italy as your primary program, and ADAC F4 is like your backup, either part time or full time if the calendars don't clash. Now British F4 has positioned itself as the you can do this series as your kind of second choice. Uh, to gain super license points if you're, you know, doing badly in Italy. And I think that's potentially how drivers are going to treat it. There's two issues here, though, and that is because, one, although most of the F1 teams are based in Britain, most of the kind of the driver training programs like Formula Medicine and all these kind of things, they're based in Europe. And a lot of the infrastructure for Formula 4 is based in Europe, whether that be Pirelli, Tatus, um, or, well, Auto Technica, like the whole, whole of the Italian access there. 
And that means they're going to prioritize telling customers. That's just logic. And particularly in you know, COVID hit times, if you've got to deliver parts to a team um, and you've got HGV driver shortage or any of these factors, it's always going to be easier to serve the customers that are closest to you. And that's why localized championships tend to survive continuously. Um, so I think Italy is still going to be the strongest championship. Britain's positioned itself now to be like a, a second or third best overall. But I think entertainment-wise, you know, British F4, it's increasing the sports content now. It's social media has always been fairly decent. And obviously, TSL live timing is always excellent. It's on TV. It's got all these things going for it, which not many series, even up to Formula 3 or Formula 2 level, have. And that makes some big change even like just working with the series you know we, we mentioned Damien he's a massive help you don't find people like him at every series to be honest and that's not just helpful for us that's helpful for the teams as well it helps them get information across it helps them generally just you know find out what's going on in the championship and the fact that he, he knows like everyone in the paddock already that's really useful for new teams coming in but on the engine equalization point there's a bit of a um a remark here because obviously so it's going to be a Tatus engine rather than a Ford one. And the reason there was not as much equalization as previously was because the engines were a bit unreliable uh, in former years. But now the reason engines become, um, you know, you might have an engine with maybe 10 or more horsepower than others is mostly to do with uh, mileage. And in Italy, you will do, you do like 30 races in Italian championship. You'll probably do 15 in the German championship. You're going to do at least 20 test days of like official championship days and Katayama days. We're probably going to do a few shakedowns at places like Verano. All of that builds up. And that's just in one year for one car, for one driver. And that one engine is hopefully going to last a season. It's unlikely to. You then put it to a team at the back of the grid. They might actually have a better engine because they're not doing as much testing. But nobody wants to go into that championship unless they can do... Uh, the same testing as their rivals and therefore it brings prices up it brings the mileage up in britain it's not necessarily regulated more than that but the fact is those engines if you've got a if you want a new engine it's just going to take longer to to get to um to britain so you're not going to test as frequently you're going to try and reserve that mileage and therefore it's easier for if you put it on a um a test bed and you do like a, a power reading and things like that and you see how much life is essentially in the engines the ones that are going to be shipped to Britain should be, you know, lasting for longer. By the end of the season, I don't think the Motorsport UK are going to have anything to shout about over the championships in Europe, because unless they're literally sending them back to Italy every weekend, um, they're going to have as much mileage from private testing uh, compared to what some of them are doing, depending on how the calendar is, because remember our calendar goes into like November. Um, it's basically just going to come equal. On top of that, and this is an even bigger factor now. The uh, Agnesi Morelli, I think, supplies the ECU for the new car. And this new car should be debuting next month in Abu Dhabi. However, Magnetti Morelli hasn't delivered the parts on time. And as far as we understand, we don't think the support race at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix will go ahead. But the UAE teams are still the priority customers. So when these electrics do arrive, they will go to the teams committed to that series. And you can't test this car until you've got those electronics and you can't sign drivers, but well, you can sign drivers, but drivers are unlikely to sign until they've done significant testing. That means testing is going to be pushed back into January, February. And it means 
these teams are holding on to their first generation cars, which they've already sold on to Jonathan Palmer for GB4 and said, you know, you're going to have them for your secondary British F4 series. Problem is the teams in Italy, et cetera, still need them because they still need to test drivers to convince them to sign next year. Um, so we have this issue where big supply chain problem is impacting British F4, it's impacting Italian F4, it's impacting GB4. F4 UAE is probably going to be the biggest casualty out of this. But you then obviously got the F4 Indian Championship as well. Prema was one of the first teams to put in their orders. At the moment, I don't think the British F4 teams are going to get their cars in like complete um, running spec until very, very late. And that's going to mean nobody's going to be committing to the championship until very last minute. And therefore, British F4 is sitting on a kind of like a, a wobbly edge here, um, which a lot of British, British businesses are because of quarantine, well, COVID and just Brexit and all that kind of stuff. And we're seeing the impact of that on racing. So long, short, long story short, it's not British F4's fault anything like this is happening, but it's a very real danger that it could put it, the new era of the series off to a very bad start if things don't get sorted out as quickly as we would like them to. That's a that's a that's a brilliant summary, and I, I was sat there thinking we're probably going to go the entire podcast talking about continental Formula Four and not mention Brexit once, but you you, you squeezed one in there right at the end, um, which um, which is good because I, I was wor- worrying I was going to have to to mention that word myself. But um, we we've come to the end of our um, free Zoom call meeting, so we should probably call it there. Um, I've got plenty of um, stuff to do, life stuff and all that thing you know all those things as well um but we will be back with with more regular uh formula scout podcastery um to come in the in the coming weeks we should have a special guest on um really soon as well um to talk all things junior single seaters which uh I'm, i'm very much looking forward to myself but we will be having uh another podcast this week um to to give you a little bit of a refresher on the the formula two championship as that goes into its penultimate race weekend at saudi arabia i i could do a refresher myself to be honest and we've got plenty more news and features and all that stuff to read on the website as well so do check out formulascout.com do check out formula scout on all of the social media platforms and so forth and i guess we'll be back soon with another formula scout podcast